right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Passions Podcast, the podcast where we talk about passions, the soap opera passions. Um, I'm Latara, as always. But today I have a new guest host because we're, we're trying something new. We're, we're switching it up. So would you like to introduce yourself? I am Gina. I am the guest for this week. Latara found me on TikTok and I was so excited because I literally have been listening to this podcast since the beginning. Okay, y'all need to go and follow Gina. Gina, what's your at on TikTok? It is There G Goes with G-I. Which, which I like, love. There G Goes. I was in one of your lives and you did that. I was did I? Thrilled. Yes, <laughs> yes. I was like, go. I oh. love it. So yeah, no, I follow, I follow Gina on TikTok and she does some good content, especially about passions. So you should definitely follow her. We're well, going to talk about passions today. 2000s nostalgia. That's yeah. all. That's all I've left room. We, left we millennials are very, we're just stuck in the year 2000. Like I, I know I am so downhill since then. <laughs> like the fact that the year 2000 was 22 years ago, it really doesn't make any sense. Like the math doesn't make sense to me at mm -hmm. all. Like to, the year 2000 was six years ago because <laughs> I yeah, because I graduated in 2006 and I graduated same. last year yep. to me and I don't have like kids yet so like I'm still mentally 16 same 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 exact same don't have a kids but anyway we're gonna talk about passions today episodes 356 to 360 is that right yes yep. all right so how was the week for you um very Teresa and Ethan heavy. So I was very pleased with that. These were great episodes for me. I know. I, I personally was, I got really frustrated to the point that I like paused a couple of times, like to take some deep breaths when Teresa yeah. was like trying to get to Ethan. <laughs> I was so annoyed. And Gwen is like super insufferable. Yeah. So yeah. we're not going to start with them though. Of course, we're going to start with magic this week which is like nothing everybody so here's my very bad summary charity and miguel talk about taking their relationship to the next level physically and miguel assures charity he's happy with their relationship as it is and will wait until she's truly ready to have sex <laughs> elsewhere <laughs> elsewhere hecuba convinces Kay to sell her soul and in return she casts a spell on Kay that makes her look and sound like charity so that she can fully violate miguel without his knowledge that's it. That's the summary. That was a lot for me. <laughs> it was, it wasn't you know, a big portion of these episodes, like time-wise, but it was a lot to take in. <laughs> it was also very um, unsettling. Like, Kay's yeah. back to being a rapist, and I don't like yeah. that. <laughs> no, and it's hard because I do, especially, I think, because we know where she ends up, right? Because we've both seen this show, so mm -hmm. you know there's something good in there, but... Yeah, and I, the thing is, I've been saying I like this new K. Like they've they've got K two point and I'm all for it. Yeah, I like her. And because the actress like makes her a little bit more human, oh, a little bit funnier, and so I, I'm like I'm fully team K, but I can't get down with this. So let's talk about it. K's at the book cafe, <laughs> reading some books. Like one of them was like the road to evil. <laughs> Like, like how to sell handing out books like that at the book cafe like I guess she found them at the that's like my assumption she found them at the book yeah. cafe but like why do they have like how to sell your soul in two 10 easy steps like I don't get I don't get it and that like Chad would be the one to walk in on that 
Yeah, well, that was perfect. Chad comes up and sees that she's like reading these books about evil and selling her soul. And he's like, I'd be careful if I were you. Like, the, the, actually, these are perfect for you, basically calling her evil, which yeah. she is. I mean, she kind of is. I feel like Chad also has some of like the best, like most like wisdom type lines. Like he said something like reputations are a lot like, so he is like one of the deepest characters on this show and never gets enough credit for it. No, he doesn't. Be and I think I hopefully that's by design, honestly, because everybody's just kind of blowing him off because he's a he's a street kid and he yeah. doesn't know who's who his family is and who his people are and where he comes from so nobody like listens to him but yeah he's like reputations are like souls you only get one and once it's gone it's gone forever it's hard to get back so there was also he brought up that he had called around and there was no tiffany that was pregnant like who did you call to make sure no tiffany in town was pregnant that's what I was wondering he was like I called around and nobody's ever heard of a girl named Tiffany getting pregnant really I know at least three Tiffany's that have been <laughs> pregnant right like like who do you call like the town hall like excuse me has there been any Tiffany's reported pregnant recently <laughs> I guess you call the hot call Eve maybe I guess she, she has no problem violating those HIPAA laws we've seen no not at all right so she but she hates him but that's a whole <laughs> other thing We'll um, that we will get into so yeah she's at the book cafe reading these hell books and <laughs> she decides to like pray to god she like leaves because she keeps hearing hecuba's yeah voice Why in her head go to the woods for that i was confused girl i do not maybe she felt like she would be closer to god if she was like in nature sure okay i you know what that's a story I would buy they could have explained that they never explain anything they leave it to us like it's up to us to analyze it make of it what you will yeah so she goes to the yeah she goes out to the woods and she starts to like pray to God to take Hecuba away from her and like help her she's like I know I haven't talked to you in a while by the way this is Kay Bennett like are you there God it's me Margaret exactly okay. it's me Kay Bennett um and Hecuba, God does not show up. Hecuba does. God, God's like, nah, girl, you yeah. on your own, bitch. That's what you get for selling your soul. Yeah. So Hecuba shows up and like starts to entangle Kate in like vines. The props department had a very low budget that day. It looks like it was made out of like felt. I was. I. You created a whole like wood atmosphere and that's what you went with. I loved this. I loved this. Okay. Because I, I was like, what in the hell is going on? Number one, I was confused because in the previous episodes, Kay had already said she agreed to sell her soul to Hecuba. So like, what are we doing here? Hecuba's like punishing Kay in this moment because she says that Kay reneged on giving her her soul, but she already agreed to give her a soul. I've never heard a story where there's like, where the evil person is like, after you make the agreement that you can just like back out. That's not yeah. how it works. Like, have you seen The Little Mermaid? That's not how it works. It's, it's not you how it works. You made the deal already. That's not how it works. You made the deal. You signed the, con well, I don't know if she signed the contract, but she, like we had like a little handshake deal and I'm evil. So I'm going to take your soul. But right. there must be some, there are no rules in this though. So who knows? So uh, then she like pulls Kay down underground into her cave so, so she I ends up into her cave carrying her me too and then I was like oh no she just went right back to where she started from 
yeah so they went back to Hecuba's cave and then Kay <laughs> and then Hecuba shows her herself in the mirror she's like look in the mirror Kay also Hecuba's got uh uh a uh what do you call it when you change your clothes <laughs> and your face oh, makeover oh Hecuba's gotten herself a makeover yeah she's dressed in like 20s fortune teller wear why do all the witches on this show dress up like a fortune teller at some point yeah i don't know also i loved tabitha's fortune teller although i do like hecuba's fortune teller look too i like the look i just don't understand what what made her change to this uh this outfit when she was like dressed as a victorian doll before i don't know right. but maybe she's got she's got style she's got taste she's 300 years old at least so she's just she's got a bunch of clothes and then she's got Kay looking like Freddy Krueger. Oh my God. So she, show, she shows Kay she, the mirror from before, that magical mirror. And she's like, look in the mirror, Kay. And Kay is like all gnarled. Like her face is all nasty and puffy. And Kay goes, oh my God. No, she goes, oh no, I'm in hell. Because there's like flames behind her yeah. in the mirror. I'm in hell. And uh, I did not care for this. <laughs> But she's standing there and Hecuba basically it went on for so long for like nothing really no came it, of it. like it does but it just didn't need to be drawn out that long I felt like it was just a threat like Hecuba's threatening Kay with like I'll make you look like this forever if you don't sell me your soul again I don't know why we're doing this because Kay already sold her soul to Hecuba I do not understand why we're doing any of this that was my whole that was one of my notes I was like Kay already sold her soul we did this yeah. already right right Agreed. so anyway um then Hecuba changes her bag shows her the mirror and shows her Miguel in the mirror now at this point we need to talk about Kay not Kay Charity and Miguel and what their conversation was I hated this I hated this so much I had secondhand embarrassment about it and that's I think the moment when I was like wait this was like a show that was on during times like a time slot for adults and like they were just watching two kids talk about whether they should have sex or not but like in the most cringy disgusting way and it was clearly meant to be like a PSA for teenagers yeah. it was like obviously this is not for middle-aged ladies no <laughs> you know what I mean this is no. geared towards teen and it was so cringy so Charity and Miguel come home from like again also what day is it because this is all the this this is the same day Sheridan of Sheridan's funeral these right. two were at like a foot a basketball game is it's the morning what day is it do they go to school ever never I think that's how they get away with making us forget like how young Teresa is because you never see them in that atmosphere. So it's like so far in the back of your head that you're not worried about it. Yeah. So they come in from a basketball game that Miguel shot the winning shot. And he says, I shot it for you, Charity. <laughs> and she's like, oh, you're so sweet. But do you ever want our relationship to be more do you ever think this relationship should be more than what it is like he never see, says the words it's like do you want it to be more special like ugh, I can't. it's so gross and she goes I see how the all the other girls look at you they would do anything to be with you and I basically and I never put out and like, right and like I know all the other people in our grade 
like she kept talking about like dates like do more on their dates do more on their dates like girl like people aren't just going on dates to screw at the end like they don't have to go on a date to do that like at all on their dates people are going on their dates and they're having you know they're doing more than just kissing I know and yeah you're right she never says like they're having sex she's just like they go way farther than we go and on their dates and Miguel's like well a lot of guys just exaggerate she's like well I hear what the girls say in the the locker room after gym class and they're saying the same things this is like girl do you want to fuck this man is that what this is about can you just tell him he's like prying him too like do you want to take our like relationship to the next level do you want to make it more special like you better not keep bringing that up if you don't want to like yeah do that already he's not bringing it up at all which is so unrealistic once again I will say the writers of passions just never met a teenage boy this is so unrealistic first of all he would absolutely be dating Kay because Charity's so fucking weird she's so (laughs) weird so he would absolutely be dating Kay Kay also is so ready to put out he would absolutely although men do love crazy and she comes off very unstable (laughs) but like she's tried to kill him twice now (laughs) that That he remembers that he remembers that um, those are the only the times he remembers she tried to kill him like five times now so it's it I just feel like they don't know teenage boys but that's neither here nor there we're gonna go on um so they have this after school special conversation that basically ends in Miguel saying I'm I'm ready when you're ready right. but I think we should wait kind of thing yeah so and it's interesting because some parts of this show are so like unfiltered and uncensored that like I don't know why that conversation had to be so fumbled over and so awkward I mean I guess because that's who she is that's what they had to do but it was just so gross as an adult woman to watch especially after we've watched Sheridan get almost raped and murdered like thrice now three times so and now she's dead so dead but (laughs) but yeah like I agree with you I the way that this conversation went was very uncomfortable I was deeply unsettled by it (laughs) it just was like ugh. Like teen, also teenagers don't talk like that. Right. Teenagers don't talk like that. Our friends are having sex. Should we be having sex? Yeah. That's whatever. So go let's go back to the cave. So Hecuba shows um this girl, Kay, Miguel (laughs) in the mirror. And Miguel is uh sleeping on his bed. And uh she's like she showed charity telling Miguel. Um, I have something like special for you. I'll be back. And she's like, oh, she's definitely going to sleep with him. What you're going to do? Right. You're gonna your soul or not? Right. Right. And then Kay is like, well, how do I know that this isn't a trick? That's what it is. How do I know this isn't a trick that you're not trying to um, trick me into giving, your, giving me your soul? And so Hecubus transports her to Miguel's house and into his bedroom. That's when he falls asleep. That's where he's asleep. Right. And then she turns her into charity basically she's like you could you can have sex with Miguel right now now's the moment but like because he will have sex with you if you look like charity and sound like charity and Kay to to Kay's credit 
Kay does say to Hecuba, I want Miguel to make love to me. I don't want him to think that he's having sex with Charity. She does. Would say. Yes, she says that. And then she immediately goes back on it. She, <laughs> she immediately is like, well, I guess. Well, I'll at least know that I was the one that slept with him, right? Yeah. How, <laughs> how does this help her? How does this, Kay is not thinking, because she, she agrees to this, basically. Like, Hecuba's like, okay, you'll be, you'll look inside like Charity, but you'll still be you. Yeah. And Kay's like, okay, I guess half is fine. I, I know, at least. Breaking even. But how does it, help? it doesn't, how does it help her? It's worse than breaking even, actually, because yeah. now Miguel feels closer to Charity. Now, maybe, now, maybe I would do this. Maybe I would just give him real bad sex, like a toothy blowjob. <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. because I'm trying to think you like this unrealistic teenage boy is very sensitive very emotional very attached to this girl already you're gonna pretend to be her and have sex with him and now he's gonna be more attached to her yeah, exactly in that scenario yeah I, I guess the only other way besides her just giving him really bad nasty sex is that then charity would be confused like the real charity would be confused about the fact that he thinks they had sex and then they would have like a rift there i don't but you know what charity doesn't remember anything anyway true he well, knows that so he'll just be like she, she just blacked out during the sex i guess like she always does classic charity and like, also that outfit that they put her in like present her as charity in Charity would never wear. Yeah, like that red, like lingerie yeah. with the long. Obviously, charity. When when we when we see Charity, she is going to like for sex. She's obviously going to be wearing white. Like we know yeah. this about. We know that they are going to put her in a white yeah. negligee because she's so pure. She's just so pure. So mm-hmm. that's basically where we are. Is what she is. <laughs> she's what a thorn in my side. I, I can't, can't stand her. her. I cannot stand her. She's so annoying. It's like, so weird when a character that you obviously know they were trying to make the likable one is so unlikable. So unlikable. Do you watch Grey's Anatomy? I do. Okay. And may I maybe I'm the only person. I hated Meredith Grey for like eight seasons. Like she was, yeah. I was supposed to like her. I yeah. could not stand her at all. And then they finally made her more. Because people like human characters when a character is so self-righteous, like, oh, I'm so good. And this, it's like not realistic. It's not relatable. Yeah. Yeah, It's not, it's not at all relatable. Yeah. Especially especially in Charity's case, this is ridiculous. (laughs) So that's magic for the week. You got anything else to add? (laughs) Um, just that at the end, Charity had another one of her premonitions. Oh yeah. That, um, Oh my God, why do I see Miguel about to have sex with me and I'm not there? (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, yeah, she's having this premonition about Miguel and her having sex. So then I thought maybe she would just think that that's the future or something. But yeah. Yeah, she was confused. I was confused too. We're all confused. All confused. I think it's a flawed plan. It's a terrible, it is a terrible plan. It is, again, I don't know what how Kay thinks this will help her but that's how I always feel about Kay's plans that's how I always feel about her plans I'm always like why do you think like the fish guts thing why do you think this is going to help you I you know 
she's and she's very like easily persuaded into things like you could tell her wheels were turning and Hecuba like gaslights her and is like what's it gonna take for you to trust me I only want your soul (laughs) why would you think I'm untrustworthy yeah uh Kay's wild bless Kay's heart she is not she's not smart she's not a smart girl no she's doing her best which isn't but maybe she should go to school maybe they should go to school because none of these kids are very bright and and that's because they don't go to they never go to school never ever all right we're going on to shuis oh this summary is very long and it's a because honestly the bulk of this week was sheridan's funeral stuff yeah. and Teresa and Ethan so those two are just so thick so here's sh- the Shuis summary Harmony is rocked by the news of Sheridan's murder and Luis is overcome with guilt and grief while he's out for a walk Sheridan briefly appears to Luis and tells him she is alive Luis is overjoyed at the news, but his joy quickly turns to despair when he realizes she was simply an apparition. Despite knowing she's dead, Luis continues to have a nagging feeling that Sheridan truly is alive, which, spoiler alert, she absolutely is. (laughs) Luis goes to her funeral to pay his respects, and we learn that Sheridan's consciousness is trapped inside of her paralyzed body. She manages to move one finger, but no one notices. Later, Luis encounters Ethan, who blames him for Sheridan. Sheridan's death. Ethan tells him to leave because the funeral is a private affair for close friends and family only. Over at the police station, the hunt is on for Sheridan's murderers, and Hank is shocked and dismayed that the Harmony PD has actually found the murder weapon and captured Pierre. Sam questions Pierre, but he tells him nothing, confident that the charges against him can't be proven. Sam then gets a fax stating that Interpol and the Paris police have dropped all charges against Pierre and Roger because Sheridan was the key to their case, and now that she's dead, they have no witness. Hank's guilt starts to get the better of him, and he tries to confess, but once again, no one will take him seriously, even though he's the obvious number one suspect. Sam then displays just how bad he is at his job and releases Pierre, even though he's a suspect in a high-profile murder case and a major flight risk. Hank catches up with Pierre, who tells him the reason he's still in town is because his employer insisted he stay until Sheridan is buried. And that was, a, I know it's a lot, but that's what happened. <laughs> you know who my favorite character was in that whole story? Who? Walt. That he could never forget a voice. He could never forget a he could never forget a voice. Is that his name, Walt? Yeah. Good for you, because I was I just called him a looky loo in my notes. Like I didn't I like I didn't know what his I didn't know what his what? name was. Where did they find? They had to have just found that man off the street and said, "Can you just read off like six lines?" <laughs> we'll give you twenty bucks. Like we just added a character. We just added yeah. this thing and just like, hey, come in. Just he uh, literally said at one point, "Cat got your tongue." It was like, <laughs> stop. It's so. You know, it was, he he's and also oh this was so frustrating all of that was so frustrating and and in fact I think I want to start with that (laughs) and get that and get that out of the way we need to talk about the fact that Hank at the end of the last week's episodes we find out that there's this witness whose name is what Walt Walt (laughs) whose name is Walt and Walter says that he heard these two people talking on the pier about uh, murdering Sheridan. One was a Frenchie, as he says, yes. and one was just your regular old American. And um, he says he 
recognize the American voices if he ever heard it because he never forgets a voice. He, never. you know, he might forget a face, but he never forgets a voice. And then at the end of the last episodes, we saw him say, Hank came in, said something, and he was like, that's the voice. That's the voice I heard. But then we pick up these episodes and he was talking, he says he's talking about, he heard Sam's voice and he yeah. knew that Sam was the chief. He heard the chief of police because he never forgets a voice. So he knew the chief of police was in the hospital. So like, like they, also, for some reason, like the chief of police is like a celebrity in the town. Like everybody knows who he is. I have no idea who the chief of police is around here. <laughs> Me either. I have no clue. I know the name of one chief of police. And that's from when I was a kid in Chattanooga and his name, I'm pretty sure was Fred Hammond. I think that is a very chief of police name. It I also is it. a gospel singer's name. So I could also be getting that completely wrong. <laughs> I could be getting those two confused. But I'm pretty sure I know his last name was Hammond, but I, whatever. But yeah, who knows the chief of the, who knows the chief of the police? Uh, unless you're a police officer, you right. know, or, or like, like involved in politics. Them. Yeah. yeah. There's no reason, like, I don't know who the chief of police is. I don't really care. Just oh, like, yes, of course. Do your job. The best chief of police we've ever seen in this world. Which well, is also. so sad, which is so pathetic. If Sam is the best chief of police that they've ever had in Harmony, they must not have had a police department before. He must be the first. He's the first and the best. It was literally the, the Wild West before that. Because he is terrible at his job. Yeah. So they're at the hospital, right? And this guy says, uh, this was the, I'm in the right week, right? Yes. Okay. Cause I've watched so many episodes of passions this week that everything's really running together. So I'm going to make sure storylines do that. So it's very easy for that. Yeah. So the, this stupid ass witness, Walter is like, Oh, there's the police, pol chief of police, Hank Bennett. And, uh, Hal Freeman is there and tells hank or sam tell sam to take this guy's statement or whatever right so this guy goes on about never forgetting the voice and then uh eve comes out and says she's finished the autopsy she says she's finished the autopsy the it, the timeline on this is in is fucking insane because she says she finished the autopsy and then they just have a funeral for sheridan like that like everybody was ready to go yeah it's crazy like an autopsy is not the same as embalming a body so like right. what eve did was like tear her body apart it would take them some time to put it back together right right like they it was all in the same day yeah they she does the autopsy and they have the funeral the same day. it's crazy but anyway, she delivers the, the bullets from the gun to Sam. So we're getting, we're starting to collect evidence, which is good. Yeah. Sam's doing a good job collecting evidence. They, <laughs> um, they collect the, the, the uh, murder gun from the, the murder gun. They collect the gun from the water. We find out we found the murder weapon. We're, get, we're doing a good job. Like I was really, as we were watching, as I was watching this, I was like, all right, all right, Harmony PD, this is how you conduct a murder case. Cause they did not, they did not do crystal justice. Poor crystal got murdered in this town and we still don't know who did it. I mean, we know who did it, but right. they, they just gave up and was like, oh, well she did cocaine. So yeah. good riddance, I guess. Yeah. Like what? That's her fault. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, they find the, they find the gun, they have the bullets, the bullets match the gun. They're like, there's prints on this bullet. I mean, on this gun, we're going to figure this out. Then Hank shows up to Hank also is just like following Sam closely around, which also 
is extremely suspicious to me. He looks so guilty the entire time. And the entire time that guy waltz around, he will not utter two words. They ask him questions and he's like, after this guy just proclaims, I never forget a voice. Like, doesn't that send off a signal for you? Like, doesn't that say something to you that maybe he is up to no good? And he's a big mouth too. He's always running his mouth. Why is he being so quiet? Exactly. Hank is being extremely suspicious through all of these episodes. And I I guess, even though Sam, again, it's just bad at his job, but I assume Sam is just kind of chalking it up to he's acting weird because of his grief. Yeah. is, Is the only thing I can... The only thing I can muster, but it's still ridiculous because he was the last person to see Sheridan alive. Right. Like y'all left him with her and now she's she's dead. dead. (laughs) And he's being extremely quiet. And he keeps saying, I did it. (laughs) And they're like, it's not your fault. And he's like, but I did it. He's really admitting it. He keeps saying, I did it. And they're just like, no, no. So whatever hey i mean i guess i have to give it to hank he is trying he is trying to admit his fault i guess um but yeah he's following sam around and sam is just doing a good job for once collecting evidence he's like on top of things they get to the police station and sam's like the only thing left to do is catch pierre and get him to tell us who his accomplice was and uh, hank's like oh you'll never catch him he's he's long gone by now and sam's like how do you know (laughs) you know it's so suspicious but hank says well he's a he's a professional i'm sure he wouldn't just stick around after a murder and then sam's like well bring him out boy we got him mission accomplished and it all happens in one place and it feels like so quickly like it where is, was actually where was Sam Bennett when they need needed to find like John Benet's killer? Like maybe we need to send him. To no, him. he would not do a good job. <laughs> he just this was a fluke. No, he was in the right place at the right time. He wouldn't do a good job. He would let John Benet's killer go. That's what he would do. He would catch him and let him go. Yeah. That's exactly what happened here because he caught Pete. They caught Pierre. Sits him down. It's like you're gonna tell us everything you know about whatever. Blah blah blah. This murder. And Pierre's really smug, like, you don't have anything on me. Because he knows, I didn't touch that gun. My prints aren't on that gun. I didn't pull a trigger. So he's just very smug. Hank's like, not Hank, Sam says to him, you know, I could have some pull with the judge, get you to get a deal made for you, get you some lesser jail time, if you just tell me who you were working with. And Pierre, of course, because he's a professional, he doesn't talk. Right. You know? you know he's probably a dead man if he talk honestly he's a dead man if he talks look how far roger went to kill sheridan this was this went so far it went too far honestly the more i watched it i was like this literally makes no sense like i know we're in too deep now and they just had to keep going with it but i'm like this makes virtually no sense that they w- she never showed any type of like reason that she would try to expose them or they went all the way to middle of nowhere harmony to find her and kill her. She also is not a very good witness. The reason she's not a good witness, like she, her, her testimony doesn't carry that much weight because the only thing that they were using her as a witness for is that Roger and Pierre knew um, Jean-Luc. 
that's it that's it she didn't know what the extent of their relationship was she didn't know anything about them she knew nothing about them oh you know what though they did try to kill her in paris now that i think about it right they they did i'm i'm you know what so much has happened so much has happened that i forgot like at that point they shouldn't have gone as far as they did when they were in paris yeah when she just kind of had known who they were kind of at that point they didn't go that didn't need to go that far but after they tried to rape and murder her in the woods in paris and the countryside of paris yeah she is a very good witness because they actually she's actually a victim and a witness because they also so much time had passed and she hadn't exposed them that like well, she had though. They the, yeah. the what happened was the Interpol was like looking for them so that oh, they okay, could okay. so that they could put them on trial. They've been like on the run, and but as soon as they caught them, they were going to put them on trial yeah. and use her as a witness, which makes all of this makes sense. Okay. We all are right. wrong. Passions Full circling. Okay, <laughs> passions is right. Um. For once, they make sense. Okay, For once, fair. they make sense. They, but you know what? It took so fucking long that, of course, I forgot all about that. Like, we're in episode 360. That shit happened in episode three. Literally. <laughs> like, Literally. So, yeah, of course I forgot. They're Maybe. bad hitmen hit that it, like, took this long anyway. Yeah. And we've had, like, three hitmen at this point. Three or four. It's crazy. How so I don't be this bad? I can't keep up. Um. So let's see where were we in this story oh the murder weapon talking to pierre sam's talking to pierre pierre won't talk then sam goes off to get like a a fax or oh go get for he's like i gotta go off to forensics and get the i'm gonna get the forensics and uh pierre talks to hank and is like hey pull yourself together man because once again Hank is like, I can't deal with this guilt any longer. <laughs> He's just like, I has an outburst. Has an outburst in the middle of the police station where he says, I did it. Mm-hmm. And nobody is questioning this man no. at all. And uh, so when Sam goes away, Pierre tells him like, cool it, dude. You can get us both locked up. Right. <laughs> Chill. They don't take anything at like face value on this show. They like just fill in what the other person's trying to say instead of just listening to what the person's saying. You know who is the worst about that? Luis is the absolute worst yeah. about that. Luis and Ethan are the absolute worst people I know about what that. You're gonna tell me who <laughs> talks like that? Nobody talks like that. I I hate that. I hate that. Anyway, um, so Hank pulls himself together. Sam comes back. The forensics say. The, the fingerprints do not match Pierre's handprints, fingerprints, right? No. So then he also gets this fax and Interpol says, we're dropping this case against Pierre and Roger because Sheridan is dead and she was like our star witness, which makes no sense. Like y'all haven't built any more of a case. You don't have any yeah. other evidence against these people yeah. other than the fact that she saw their faces. That's so stupid. They're international drug runners and right. murderers. They, and you were, everything was going to fall on her. They bombed Jean-Luc and Mimi to oblivion and she didn't see any of that. So that like, how is she helping you in that case really beyond just being able to ID them? You should have collected way more evidence than Sheridan Crane. Yeah. So anyway, they drop in the charges. I, it is. Thanks for dropping the charges now that she's dead. It's inconceivable. (laughs) Then, then, uh, Sam says to Pierre, I guess I got to let you go. No, you don't. 
he literally is a major flight risk right and a major suspect in this murder case did you not go to court and like have him arraigned already if you hadn't you should have done that by now so that you can keep him like you're charging him you could charge him with something like you have enough evidence you have enough evidence to prove that he is possibly involved with this murder for sure motive at least for sure so he he just lets him walk right out of the pd i Sam is bad at his job. Yeah. Very bad. Like I can't stand Ethan Crane, but Ethan is right about one thing. Sam is bad at his job. I can't wait until we talk about that headline in the newspaper, by the way. Oh my God. Oh, so as let's get through this so we can get to it. We can talk about it now. Um, so Hank catches up with Pierre. Pierre tells him, Hey, again, pull yourself together, cool it. And because Hank's like, why the fuck are you still here? Which was my question too. Why are you still here? And he's like, my employer will not let me leave until I see Sheridan in the ground. It's like, why? Yeah, weird. She's in a coffin. She's having a funeral. Yeah. I mean, I would be pretty convinced she was dead. I mean, she she ain't, but. (laughs) Maybe he wasn't wrong. Yeah. I So, but yeah, what made him decide to stay? Like, did he know? I don't know. Did he know about this whole setup thing? Like, I don't understand. Did they mean to bury her alive? You know what? We're not there yet. So I'm not even going to, I'm not going to, but anyway, I'm not going to. That's wild. What happens there? So crazy. Okay. So let's talk about Luis. Poor Luis. Poor, 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 poor Luis. He blames himself for Sheridan's murder, even though it isn't so not his fault. It's not even close to being his fault at all. I love him. I know he's like a lot, but I, these like four episodes, I felt so bad for him. I felt so bad watching him sulk. I felt so bad watching him blame himself and like Hank just standing there, like just knowing Yeah. and not, I don't, I don't understand why they, I mean, I guess we shouldn't talk about, cause we know what happens, but maybe not everybody that listens knows what happens. Right. I mean, honestly, to be, to be completely honest, I remember, I know like Sheridan gets buried alive. I know there's like a whole thing, but I don't remember. I remember the big parts, but I don't remember the, how we got there a lot, you know, because it's been 20 years. I don't understand why Luis couldn't be in on it. They like do try to like make up some excuses why he couldn't, like they needed him to be emotional, I think is what they end up saying. And it's like, you literally... This could have been a Romeo and Juliet situation as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm, 100%. You were headed in that direction. Like, absolutely. It makes sense to me, but yeah. Anyway. Anyway, they, they bury Sheridan alive and it's horrible. I hated that. No, we're not there yet. That. Yeah. We're not there yet. Okay. So poor Luis is like, out here struggling heavy. Okay. He thinks he's to blame for Sheridan's murder, even though he absolutely is not. Teresa and Pilar try to console him. Um, but Teresa, of course, is like mostly concerned with how Ethan feels about Luis and how Ethan perceives their family. Um, but Luis tells uh, them that, you know, he, Ethan said he doesn't want anything to do with our family, even though that's what Julian said, but that's neither here nor there. That's what he tells them. So Teresa's like all anxious, whatever. Her motives are so selfish. Like it actually, I love her and her motives made me feel so sick because I'm like, she, there's even like a point where she compares 
her losing Ethan possibly to Gwen to Louise losing Sharon. And I'm like, not the same, really. Not even close. Not even close. C- considering like you are literally the other woman. Like, right. <laughs> like relax, not that I'm girl. defending Gwen. I would never. I would never defend Gwen ever, ever. However, Teresa is not all the, the way fact. right. Okay. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, Pilar is like trying to console her son. And honestly, I feel b- bad for Pilar too, because they tell us that Pilar thinks of Sheridan as another daughter. Yeah. You know, and she's still just trying to hold everybody up right now. She's trying to prop up Louise. She's trying to keep Teresa in grounded in reality, tethered to the earth. And she is also probably really grieving and deeply upset and she can't wow. grieve. And so I hate that for Pilar, but she tells Luis, this broke my heart. She tells Luis like he needs to like take a shower and go to bed and get some rest. He tells her, I can't take a shower. I can't take oh my, my God, I'm going to cry because I can still smell Sheridan's perfume on me. And mm-hmm. I don't want to let her go just yet. Like I'm getting chills just thinking about it. It made me so sad. I cried. I did yeah. cry. Like I felt so bad for Louise. And then he goes out for a walk and he walks around like the Harbor pier area where the police are also like c- conducting their search for that mm-hmm. gun. And uh, he sees Sheridan. Mm-hmm. She comes up to him. It's like, hey, Luis, I couldn't stand to see you in pain. What? I literally forgot. Like, I think everybody probably knows she's like coming back. Right. So for me, for a second, I was like, wait, like, is she letting him in on this secret? Like, right. Not. Right. Me too. Me too. But it's just, it's re- it really is just like a feeling and apparition. They just, it's just a way that the show is telling us they have this special bond, right? Like they have yeah. this special connection where even beyond um, the, not the grave, I guess, but even in death, like she can still talk to him. Yeah. yeah. And um, so he's overjoyed, right? That she is back. He hugs her. He says, it feels so real. And he's like, okay, we got to go tell everybody. And Hank comes around the corner because Hank's doing Hank, you know, Hank comes around the corner and Louis is like, hey, great news. Sheridan's alive. And he's like, (laughs) Hank's like, what, buddy, what? But you know what bothered me about that is like, I, I feel like Hank should have given a different reaction to like. Yeah, knows that she is, you know what I mean? So you would think he would have given a reaction that maybe would have been like, what do you mean? Like, yeah, but yeah, I guess they can't do that. But yeah, yeah, I thought his react, it's like, once you know, the long, like the long game, you're like, some of this stuff, like, doesn't make make sense. sense. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. So he tells him, buddy, Sheridan's dead. You got to get over it. You got to, you gotta go with it she's dead it's done it's over and um louise is like yeah i know you're you're right i mean they have some back and forth for a while like louise is really like it was so real i I know she was here um but he she wasn't there no he was having they play a lot into with them over this series this like whole soulmate aspect and how like universes worlds other lives like can't keep them apart and I guess this is like the beginning of that type of story you know yeah background for them yeah it is I think you're right I think it is they and they I mean 
they have already those ghosts appeared to her in the woods and were like now that you found Luis thou art in danger now that you found Luis thou art in danger they are they will kill thee Sheridan run you know so they started they started that saying like you know every lifetime you find each other and then you die yeah (laughs) um so Luis accepts the fact that Sheridan is dead he's like yeah okay she it was it felt very real but I I get it she's dead I'm just having I'm just having like a weird psychotic break I guess I don't know and um but he's still having like this nagging feeling right that she's alive he keeps saying like it feels like she's still here because they're so connected they're soul bonded and it's sweet um but yeah let's talk about Luis and this headline in the paper. First of all, him coming home and Teresa trying to hide that paper in the most obvious way possible. That's exactly what I wrote in my notes. <laughs> you want you wanted him to see it, right? Because you're like holding it behind your back. Like, I have a surprise for you. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. He comes in and Louis uh shared no, Jesus Christ, there's so many names. Mm-hmm. He comes in. And Teresa is holding that newspaper. And what was the what was the headline in the newspaper? Oh, I have the headline. Hold on. What was it? it? Ethan, first of all, when is a headline ever this long and this specific with names when these are like just ordinary people? Like Ethan Crane holds Sam Bennett and Luis Lopez Fitzgerald of the Harmony Police Department responsible for his aunt's death. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> She's a celebrity in her own right. Why is it his aunt? Second of all, why couldn't it just be he holds the Harmony Police Department accountable? It's like so specific. Yeah, like that was that was information for the body of the article. Right. It that was, was like, the article. There it is. <laughs> like it was ridiculous. It was so big. It took up the whole page. Just the headline. The yeah. writer felt like the author of the paper must have been very like lazy that day and was like, here's here's the art. Now I just have to write a blurb because that's all that there's room left for. And you're right. Sheridan is the American princess. They told us so. Like now, she's just Ethan Crane's aunt. Yeah. Who give Who gives a fuck about Ethan Crane when she's the American princess, right? Like she's uh Meghan Markle, and he's one of those princes that Harry. Not even Harry. He's like a. He's like like, he's like Prince Charles. Like yeah, he's like a cousin, and nobody cares about that. Nobody. Nobody even knows their name. That's yeah. not true. I, I guess he's in like society mag- magazines, but whatever. I think Sheridan is more famous because okay. um, she's. They call her the American princess. They don't call him the American prince. No, right? Who cares? Why wouldn't they say like um, American princess's nephew blames Harmony Police Department for her death? I just rewrote it for them. Exactly. So you got and you got it right. He's the star of her death. Not even. <laughs> This is what men do to us in society. hundred percent. I 100% agree. This is what men do to us. And they, they make our narratives their own. Yep. Okay. Turn it about. So he, of course they would center Ethan in Sheridan's whole murder. It's ridiculous. I agree. With, Ethan and Luis and they, they didn't even name her in the headline. No, but she's famous. She's more. Like she's the American, American princess. No, it's not right. I won't stand for the disrespect that she got in that article. I agree. I I, I wholeheartedly agree. So um, 
so that's what the headline is and everybody's trying to keep this from Luis. Pilar flat out tells Teresa don't let Luis see the paper today Mm -hmm. and so when Louise comes in. Yeah, she hides the paper in the most conspicuous way possible. She like holds it behind her back with both arms. And it's like, like, it's not like he was asking for the paper. Just open it up to a different article. Yeah. And like, make it like you were reading it. Fold the paper up, hold it down by your side. Like, you don't have to hide it. So like that, you you know, walk you away. It, like waving it. Like, yeah. yeah. So he take he obviously he gets the paper, reads the headline, is like, this is some bullshit. Also, he gets really upset because he sees that Sheridan's funeral is private, that they are only um, it's by invite only, close friends and family only. So he's like so upset, but he's like, they're not gonna keep me away from my love. I'm going no. to that funeral. I'm going to that funeral. Um, Ethan starts talking about the crane, not Ethan, Lord Jesus. Louise starts talking about how awful the cranes are. Like they're so shitty and they, they're, Ethan is just like the rest of them. So self-absorbed and arrogant and thinks everybody has to uh, bend to his whim. And Teresa defends him to Louise, even though as far as Louise is concerned, Ethan has dragged him in the press. Not right? for time, I would say. No. Not the place of time. Ethan has dragged him in the press and basically blamed him for Sheridan's murder and said that he was going to bring charges against him for it. Uh, maybe pick your moments, Teresa. Right. Maybe now is not the time to like, well, I'm sure he didn't mean that. Girl, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Be quiet. I've noticed most of the characters on this show are so self-serving that like it's not even surprising anymore when it's like you wouldn't take that moment to just let it be about someone else now I will say what irritated me the uh, thing that Louise did that Eric aggravated me they're in the kitchen having this conversation and the phone rings and it's Ethan because Ethan is and we're going to get into that more Ethan's been concerned that Teresa has not reached out to him in this time in his time of need and grief right? And so he calls the house, Louise answers. And so he kind of stops short and doesn't say what it is that he's calling about. And Louise jumps to the conclusion that Ethan is calling to make sure Pilar won't be late for work. He's like, don't worry, my mama, if my mama's not already there, I'm sure she's on her way and like hangs up the phone. And then he tell, and Ethan never says a word to him. He tells Teresa, that Ethan called to make sure that Pilar was coming right. to work today. Like that wrong. didn't happen. None, none of that happened. You made that up entirely. He does that a lot when it comes to Ethan. Like I think in this, um, these few episodes, especially like he doesn't even give him a chance to like, I almost feel like sometimes like Ethan was trying to go like easier on a situation with him and he would just rile as much as you could rile Ethan's personality up. He'd rile him up enough where he would go at him combatively where I think if Luis would have held back a little, it wouldn't have been as bad. Right. I agree. I agree. I think, cause I think Ethan, Ethan even said in last week's episodes that he had like changed his opinion of, of Luis and that he understood that because Sheridan loved him and um, Teresa thought so highly of him that he must be missing something. So he was right. ready to give Lu- Luis another chance. And he was so grateful for him um, protecting Sheridan. And honestly, 
Ethan is looking for somebody to blame. He's blaming the wrong person, but I can't be too mad at him. I'm still mad at him about it, but I can't be too mad at him about it because he did love Sheridan. They've made that very clear and she's dead. And the person who was supposed to be protecting her was Luis, you know, and he, he's looking for somebody to blame. So too, it goes to show that he really, like, if you look at it from a different way, it shows he really trusted Luis with Sheridan because he felt like when he was with her, he was protecting her. Yeah. I'm like, look, you weren't there and look what happened to her. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. So Luis then decides he's going to go down to the church to view Sheridan's body because also, let us not forget what day this day is. This day was supposed to be Ethan and Gwen's wedding day. That's where we are. <laughs> yes. Today was supposed to be Ethan and Gwen's wedding day. We're having a funeral for Sheridan. They so, already had the church book. They were good to they, go. They, <laughs> <laughs> they just had to change the decor. Yeah. Like, we, they had flowers. They had everything ready to go. Yeah, that's true. It didn't it's, go to waste. <laughs> And they had a place to have, you know, family gather after at the venue. Oh my God. That's what so a stroke funny. of luck if you think about it, really. <laughs> oh my God, that's so true and so funny. Oh my gosh. I didn't, like, I didn't think about it until right now that like a funeral and a, and a wedding are very similar. All you the invite the same people. You invite the same people you do it at a church. You have you have food afterwards, a reception afterwards. I'm surprised Gwen didn't show up in her wedding dress, to be honest. <laughs> like, here's a uh, priest here. Do you think, do you want to do it? We might as well I'll, share it. I'm in my dress just in case. She's like, Sheridan would have wanted this for us. <laughs> I cannot and, wait to get to all that. I wait, and sh- look, and Sheridan's here. Like, let's get married yeah. while Sheridan's here with us. Yeah. Because soon she's going to be in the ground. She won't be able to be there. This, it's fate. Well, oh, it's fate. fate. That's hilarious. Oh, God. So they go to the church. And uh, Luis goes to the church. And uh, Teresa follows him down there. Actually, no, she doesn't. She goes down there because she decides she wants to tell Ethan about Sam being his father, like on this day of all days that we her. would get to. She almost slipped like three times in this episode to serve herself. Yeah. In front of Pilar with Pilar giving her those daggers, like, girl, if you don't shut your mouth. She is reckless as hell. A lunatic, which I've been saying forever. Unhinged and undone, this girl. (laughs) So let's just stick with Luis for right now and we'll get back to Teresa. Luis goes to the church and Teresa happens to be there for other reasons, but he assumes that she's there to support him, came there to support him, right? And, um, they view Sheridan's body, pay the respects. And he tells her, you know, I love, I love Sheridan. You know, I feel very responsible for this, but I also like have this feeling that she's not dead. He keeps saying this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, at one point, he even has a conversation with a priest who is not Father Lonigan. Who was this priest? Peter. I was thinking the same thing. And I was so annoyed by that. And I knew exactly the direction. It was so predictable. Who is this priest? I've never seen him. I didn't, he called him father something, but I don't remember what it, I don't remember what his name was, but he tells the priest that he keeps having this feeling that Sheridan is here physically with him. You know, she's mm-hmm. here. 
And the priest, like you said, is so predictable. The priest is like, she is with you. She is here. You're right. Alive. She like, is alive. Heart. Okay, yeah. We got <laughs> She's alive in your heart. Yeah. She'll be with us always. You know, the, the same old, same old that, you know, priests give you. They're yeah. here with you in your heart, whatever. But like, obviously this man is unraveled, like maybe a better choice of words. Because he was like, she seriously. is alive. <laughs> yeah, seriously. She is His alive. ears perked up like a dog. Like, I'm right. Like, honestly, like, what do you know that I don't know, priest? What is it? Tell me, tell me everything. Tell me all that you know. And then the priest just gives him some Bible stuff. So, you know, he's like, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, real, real helpful. That was very helpful. So during this time, uh, there's a, some back and forth with Ethan and Gwen. And I think we're going to put that in with the Teresa stuff. Yeah. Just stick with Luis and Sheridan. That's where I put it. Stuff yeah. right now. There's some back and stuff forth with Gwen and Ethan. Ethan basically telling him that he needs to leave because this is for friends and family only and whatever. But at one point, Louise is talking to Sheridan and I can't tell you what he said to her. He just like was saying like, I love you. I'm sorry. Literally said to her, even in death, you look so beautiful. So alive. Oh, put your finger under her nose. She has to be breathing. She also was breathing so big like her chest was coming up and down so high I was like I can see her breathing I can see well, her I breathing. can imagine she like felt like it I guess maybe not everybody knows what a dead person feels like but she probably felt like warm not like death they must and I again I don't remember but I know soap operas do this they must have given her some kind of thing that made her body like paralyzed yeah, like and made it seem like her body was dead that that um um acted made her body act like a, a dead body so it was like cold to the touch and like so her her blood's not flowing as as quickly but it's like slowly enough or fast enough that she is technically still alive but like she can't move her body because she's not getting any oxygen to her limbs i don't know but uh yeah she she's alive and her finger starts to twitch she her finger starts a little she's like because we can hear her voiceover she's like louise i'm alive why can't you hear me? <laughs> this is my worst nightmare because this is like, you ever see the movies where somebody's getting operated on and they like can feel everything? That, that I would claustrophobia. <laughs> I remember that movie specifically. I never saw it. It's called Awake though. I remember yes. watching Jeff the previews. And they, maybe is in it. Probably. <laughs> I feel like it was in 2005 or something. She was real big then. Um, but I remember seeing the previews for that and being fucking terrified i was like is this mm -hmm. a thing that can happen and then like looking it up and realizing like absolutely it absolutely is a thing sure that can happen. and then and this is the reason why i am terrified to ever i like will never get an elective surgery and if i ever have to get like a surgery to save my life i'm gonna be so terrified but i'll do it obviously but i went to the dentist to get a root canal root canal one time and the fucking anesthesia wore off in the middle yeah, like he was in my mouth and I was like, ah, I can see. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like that happens sometimes. Like some people, it just like, so I need like more anesthesia than other people. When Is I go to the dentist. your body just like metabolizes? I think so. I guess. I don't know. I guess so. I don't know. Oh my gosh. New fear unlocked. Great. I'm sorry. <laughs> so I just have to tell the dentist that, well, my dentist knows, but um, like, you know, just make sure you 
give me like 50% more <laughs> Novocaine because I'm, I'm going to feel this, you know, if you don't, but anyway, yes, terrifying. Also my big, my actual biggest fear besides birds is being buried alive. Mm-hmm. Like that is my, I like suffocating or drowning being like, but very much being buried alive just is wow. so scary to me. Oh, I don't even like putting my blankets over my head. I, mm-mm, mm-mm. yeah. Oh, so I'm already not looking forward to these episodes, to be honest. Cause I, so, you know what? It would make sense that like Eve is like part of the mastermind behind this plan. Of course like, it would. I mean, you know what? It's like, it's hard being the only person working in town. She can only monitor so much. You can, it's like when you have too much on your plate at work and it's like, (laughs) I can only do the surface level of everything. I can't Mm -hmm. make everything great. It's just good enough. (laughs) I can do everything passable, but nothing is going to be done well. No, that's (laughs) her entire career. That's very much Eve. And somehow she was doctor of the year, but I guess that was fake. (laughs) That's so true. So um Sheridan's finger moves she's awake in her head her consciousness is telling yelling at um Louise I'm alive why can't you hear it hear me everybody who comes to pay their respects she's like talking to them like I can hear you why can't you hear me she's like oh my god where am I what is going on and uh so that's where we are with Sheridan nobody knows that she's alive but she's alive she's that very, whole thing has me very upset <laughs> yeah she's very much alive we talked of that's everything right for them for yeah also like you would think somebody if you're a doctor you probably know things like that are possible so like maybe somebody should going be going in and checking on her like you know but she seemed like her mind's racing in there like maybe yeah her with a little more maybe we maybe we give her a little like something cat scan yeah I don't know all right where are we going now fate oh Teresa Teresa Chad and um Whitney Teresa Whitney this is where all my notes are girl so many pages of notes look at this ridiculous it's like I think it's five or six pages it's a lot so book so buckle in actually that wasn't even all of them because I have the Chad and Whitney stuff too damn that's a lot all right, so here are the summaries. So I'll do Teresa and Ethan first, then um, Chad and Whitney. All right, following Sheridan's death, Teresa is being barred on all sides from contacting Ethan. She goes to the mansion to see him, but is told by Gwen, Julian, and Rebecca that he doesn't want to see her and wants nothing to do with her or her family because he blames Luis for Sheridan's death. Ethan, meanwhile, is concerned that he hasn't heard from Teresa. And Gwen, Julian, and Rebecca tell him she's a selfish girl who clearly cares nothing for him. Teresa's anxiety at not seeing or speaking to Ethan grows as she worries that Gwen will use Sheridan's death to manipulate him into marrying her. So So she decides to crash Sheridan's funeral and contemplates revealing the truth of Ethan's fraternity to him. At the church, Teresa and Ethan clear up all misunderstandings and Ethan tells her that he does blame Louise for Sheridan's death, but he doesn't, but that doesn't change the way he feels about her. He also tells her that they need to tell Louise about the relationship before he finds out from someone else. Also, Gwen and Rebecca continue to scheme to keep Ethan and Teresa apart. That's Ethan and Teresa, okay? 
now we're going to talk about Chad and Whitney real quick. Here's the Chad and Whitney stuff. Following the whole pregnant Tiffany Thomas debacle, Chad is understandably hurt and decides it's time to leave Harmony. Simone begs him to stay and then blames Eve for Chad's leaving, calling her, quote, the worst kind of bigot. Eve apologizes to Chad and the two seem to settle their differences. As he is leaving, Chad runs into Whitney. She apologizes to him again for believing the rumor about him, but he tells her it's too little, too late and bounces. Later, Chad goes back to his room because he forgot some things and finds Whitney there crying. He begs her to just have a conversation with him and be honest with him about her feelings, but she of course does her typical Whitney deflection. She goes back to her room and he plays her a song to send her some sort of message that he loves her but Simone is the one who gets the message and tells him <laughs> saying she knows he loves her but can't speak it out loud Simone Simone I love Simone though I really do first of all I think like obviously Whitney is beautiful we know that but like Simone is gorgeous also like why do we act like she's like the ugly sister I don't know ugly like unfortunate sister I do not know because she's gorgeous to me. She's gorgeous and she's smart. And she's the only one who's like listening to him and believing him and like has faith in him and helping him in any way. It really bothers me. It bothers me too. It really bothers me too, because Whitney, I'm again, I love Whitney as a character overall, right? When, as we go on, as we go along, but right now she sucks. She sucks. I like, she just can't be honest with Chad. She's doing all this nonsense. She says really mean things to him is really rude, really nasty. And I get that she's like having these conflicted feelings because she doesn't want to go against her parents. And she's never felt this kind of stuff before, but that's really no excuse to be like so nasty and so rude. She's like the definition. You, you remember that book, uh, Why Men Love Bitches? No, I never there heard of it. There was literally a book called Why Men Love Bitches. And this love triangle is like the epitome of that. I have never heard of this. Yeah. Is, yep. that a, is it like a novel? It's like more like um, one of those, not like a self-help book, but like it's like, help, like self-improvement book. Like It's like she- a book. Is it by a man? I don't remember, actually. It's there's like- a lot of books by men. I've noticed this. There's a lot of books by men. And also, this is just like a niche. There's all these men on the internet yeah. who tell women how to be women and mm-hmm. like how to get a man kind of thing. My mom bought me years ago a book that like Steve Harvey wrote about that. I was like, mom. Girl, that is look- area of expertise. Thank you, though. <laughs> Number one, I am obsessed with the fact that your mom bought you that book okay number two I fucking hate that book and I hate Steve Harvey I think I cannot stand I'm pretty uh, sure it was him and I was like no so, so random it 100% is him the name of the book is think like a man act like a woman uh I no it's horrible it's a terrible and it it's like a bestseller so many people bought that book it's like women stop listening to men telling you like he's an idiot don't listen to him you are a woman, you know, your womanhood is what it is. So you just be a woman and that's how you be a woman. Like, fuck him. Ugh, I hate Steve Harvey. Yeah, I really do. I cannot stand this trend of men telling women how to be women. Right. I'm not here trying to tell you how to be a man. So funny. I remember that years ago and I was like, 
This was the person that you went to that thought you thought was going to help me land my guy. That's hilarious. That is hilarious. She was trying. She was trying. I mean, it's precious. It's sweet. Our moms buy us things that we're like, okay, girl. Like, you're like, thank you, mama. Okay. Although if my, although if my mom bought me that book, which she wouldn't, cause she hates Steve Harvey too. Like, that's one of the things we, we share in common. We both like, we recently, when I was home for Christmas, we really like talked, had like a whole rant about like two hours where we just ranted about Steve Harvey. <laughs> how much we that hate him. So funny. And how much we Everybody has like that one person though. Right. He sucks. Well, you know, I, you know, my nemesis is, um, Kristen Bell. I do not care for her. That is so interesting. And it's, it's, it's a long-standing, I have a long-standing feud with Kristen Bell that she knows nothing about. You just think like the the persona is like false. I, you know what it was? And I may have said this on the podcast before. I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself. There was a video that was like going around for two years of her on the Ellen show and Ellen brought out a sloth and she started crying and it was such she made such a big deal I was just so annoyed she annoyed me and I every time I saw that video it was just kept coming up like it was just it was so prevalent and I was just like Chris Kristen Bell damn you damn you again (laughs) I can't see you I honestly used to really I really I didn't like her as an actress for a while but I now I just say it as a joke she's all right the good place was good your personality right like that's just part of my thing it's it's part of my shtick I don't like Kristen Bell whatever (laughs) she's fine I like the good place was good um so let's talk about Teresa oh let's talk about somebody I love I'm trying to save this girl oh Teresa 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 so uh wait first can we talk about the new Gwen we absolutely can't talk about the new Gwen there is a new Gwen in town Gwen 2.0 she's that actress is Natalie is her name Zay or Z I think it's Zay I don't know I don't know it's Z-E-A so make of that what you will but she and this Ethan Travis Schultz are married in real life Mm -hmm. so that's really that's actually kind of cute like that's and they're still together because like I don't see the the chemistry. I don't see the chemistry either. I'm not taking that away from them. I agree. I don't see the chemistry either. Like, but again, she just showed up. So maybe it's just like they need to get into the groove of things. Um, Also, I I like the way she plays Gwen. She's not yet, but like, I feel like maybe already. She's like, plays her a little bit like less sinister, I feel like. Yeah. as time goes on like you could see she tries to like give Gwen some type of like redeeming qualities doesn't she, usually work <laughs> she uses more levels than uh Liza like mm-hmm. she uses this because Liza blonde Gwen which personally I think Gwen should always be blonde like that's my my oh, biggest yeah. problem my You're biggest here. problem with the second Gwen is that she's not blonde that's Put my own- on her if she doesn't want to dye her hair yeah she's she needs to be blonde that's kind of the whole thing with between her and Teresa like to, she's blonde and Teresa's like this d- deep dark brunette like that's how we can see that they are opposites right like agreed but um she, she plays her more human like she gives her more levels it's yeah. not like constant like rage. 
and yeah. or or constant just like patheticness is it's like yeah some peaks and valleys so the performance is good I just I and I think this is just because I wa- I watched this show for so long and Liza was just Gwen like she's iconic she's yeah. iconic Gwen so these like 200 episodes where we have um Natalie out of mm, place yeah it just feels like uh, that's not Gwen especially so. because you know like it's not long lasting and mm-hmm. she yeah she's only here for a short there. while yeah so and well she and she stays for like again like 200 episodes she's on this show for a while but yeah. it Liza was on it for basically eight years yeah right I, love so. Liza. I think she's like she is Gwen she yeah. is Gwen that's icon she is the icon of Gwen like she she that is Gwen when I think Gwen I see that face I see that stupid bob like <laughs> I it's she true. is Gwen I so and she, I follow her on Twitter She's like a mom. She's a bunch of kids and like, yeah, it's like a mommy blogger. Yeah. She's like a mommy blogger now. Like good for her. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, uh, what are we talking about? Teresa. So we, yeah. We start off like when blatantly there, I think they start off there together. Right. Because she stays with Ethan to comfort him after Sheridan's death. And she's just like being like so desperate, like the aunt just died and she needs to let him know like she still wants to marry him. <laughs> yes, okay. Gwen is with Ethan and she is doing everything she can. She's like, do you need a, do you need a back rub? She gives him a massage, Ugh. you know, and to her, again, in her defense, Sheridan was her best friend. So she says- I hate that narrative. That. I don't know if you guys have ever talked about that. I hate that they constantly try to push that narrative of them being best friends. You barely ever saw them together. They had met like one time and they're like, oh, it's my best friend. We talked about this because we talked about this when Gwen decided to make Teresa her best, mm-hmm. or not best maid. What is it called? Maid, maid of, of honor. honor. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. she decided to make Teresa her maid of honor. And I was like, but wait, isn't Sheridan her best friend? And then they, and several episodes passed and then they decided like, oh, Sheridan can't be the maid of honor yeah. because it's too, she's too high profile and she's um, under Weird. threat or whatever. So she, the FBI thought it would be caught, bring too much attention to her, which makes sense. But yes, the fact that they, I forget that they're best friends. That's I forget. why they have to keep saying it because they've done nothing visually to like prove that they're best friends. So they just have to keep saying it to remind us. Oh yes, of course they're best friends. Yeah, right. like Gwen goes and complains to Sheridan about Ethan sometimes. That's it. A best friend that does not make. No. Agreed. So and whatever. So yeah, she's like Sheridan was my best friend and I'm grieving too. And we should be together right now. Of course. So gross. Like she was saying all that just to like make their bond stronger, not because it was genuine. No, Yeah. And she says, um, I've already lost Sheridan. I don't know what I could, I would do if I lost you too. I think I would die. All of this stuff. Ethan tells her, you haven't lost me. Don't worry. You haven't lost me. And, um, like they hug, whatever he goes, uh, but I'm just worried that you won't want me because I'm putting you through all of this shit, which of course I would not want. I don't want you. Why does she, I don't get, I still don't get why she wants him. I know other people have written in and said like, it's because she just wants to be, um, 
the the head of the crane family and she wants the power and the influence but like she is rich and powerful in her own right so i do not understand this i still i'm i'm sorry i'm sorry zach i still don't understand it i think it's a lot too of like just because she's feeling rejected by him she she's trying so hard to make her pick him pick her so I think it's just her ego's bruised a lot. Mm, okay. Yeah. I'll take that. I'll buy that. So he says to her, um, I, I don't know if you'll want me after I've put you through all of this. She goes, I will always want you, Ethan. We were meant to be together. Ugh, okay. Uh, Ethan tells her, you know, maybe it's not such a good idea that you stay the night over here. You know, maybe it, maybe you should go home. <laughs> basically he's like maybe you should go home <laughs> and she's like no I need to be here with you and then and we we're going to talk about some the stuff that happens before this but I just want to say she spends the night but that man makes her sleep in a chair <laughs> and this is the thing he sleeps in the bed he sleeps in the bed and she sleeps in like an armchair and I feel like he says a lot of things to her to make it seem like, oh yeah, you're the one that I'm going to pick. Like saying, oh yeah, I'm scared you won't want me or this or that. But then it'll be followed by like, I wonder why Teresa hasn't called. It's like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, if I was her, I'd be like, I literally think I'm a lunatic. Like, am I losing my mind? Like, Yeah, I, I, um. I wouldn't do this if I were her. Like, I wouldn't put up with this. This is ridiculous. A lot for me. When you figure it out, why don't you come find me? Right. He So he then pulls out all of these letters that Sheridan had written to him. And he's like reading through her old letters. And then he's like, yeah, there was a letter that Sheridan wrote to me about you. And he reads this letter to her that says, um, where Sheridan says that, he and Gwen are the only couple she's ever seen that she knows for sure were meant to be together. Why are you reading this to her when you literally called off your wedding and tonight? Also when you called off your wedding tonight? No. Sheridan, or yesterday. Based on what? What did you see that made you feel that way? When? 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 When did you see it? Right. She's been in Paris all this time. Right. Up until like a year ago, she's been in Paris. When did you see it? Gwen wrote that note and sent it to him and pretended to be. (laughs) So in the closet, he's pulling all these uh, notes out of the closet and she sees that teddy bear that uh, Teresa won for him at the arcade. And she's like, where'd you get that teddy bear? Where'd this come from? He's like, oh, uh, Teresa gave it to me. I hope you, I hope this doesn't make you feel uncomfortable, whatever. And she's like, oh no, whatever. I know you have to do what you have to do. I'm fine. And then he goes off to, to the bathroom or something. And she, he just starts stabbing that teddy bear with a, a letter opener. But she's just like, Teresa, you'll never take Ethan away from me. Just like yelling it and stabbing that bear. She's a nut. She I, is Glenn Close in Fatal Attraction. She absolutely is. She's about to boil a rabbit. <laughs> any minute boil that teddy bear yeah. feed it to Ethan feed Literally. it to Teresa um 
so she's she's stabbing that teddy bear and then i guess she this was weird to me does she did she just take it downstairs and put it in the trash can downstairs so ethan wouldn't see it like what was that about yeah i guess because actually they didn't even show us her doing that what they showed us was Teresa comes over and she finds the teddy bear so uh but let's talk about what's going on with Teresa before we even get her to the mansion Teresa is at home trying to console Luis, but really more worried about herself, right? Like she, she's getting very emotional because Luis keeps talking about how Ethan is a typical crane, arrogant, demanding, unreasonable, and um, that he's just like this typical crane man. And uh, Teresa, of course, comes to Ethan's defense saying, you don't know. Luis is like, how do you know? What do you know about it, Right. Stay on that train, Louise. Stay there, please. Like, can we just do, and they never, he'll ask her the question and then just says the answer that he believes. He right. just talks for everybody all the time. Often he talks for women, but he does it to Hank too. He, yeah. he talks for her and tell, says, oh, I forgot you were doing the, the flowers for that wedding. <laughs> like this man knows nothing. You know nothing, Jon Snow. And yet you still continue to talk over people when they're trying to tell you things. But and anyway. this is when she almost blows up that he is not a crane. This yes. is when she wants it to come out of her mouth. And thank God Luis walks away and Pilar is like, my favorite quote from Pilar, she goes, this girl is obsessed. I'm afraid for her. That's exactly, I put that in bold letters because I feel like that needs to be the name of this episode. This girl is obsessed. I'm afraid for her. This girl is obsessed, but you just now seeing that, Pilar, mama? <laughs> you just now seeing that? Yes, yeah, she is She is obsessed and kind of possessed, to be honest. Like, a spirit has possessed her. She, Honestly, when Pilar says, she says something else about, like, this is why I never wanted my, like, children to be involved with the cranes. I knew it would be, like, a bad thing. Like, you know what? Maybe she is also psychic. <laughs> she was, like... She, I know this can't be good. She just knows the cranes because she's been yeah. there. Like, she just knows them. And um, Pilar, oh, this was crazy. Teresa, gosh, she's a fucking nut. Teresa says to Pilar, because Pilar's like, you need to chill the fuck out. Can't you see that Luis is hurting? Can't you see, like, and you can only think about yourself, blah, blah, blah. Pilar says, a woman is dead. A woman, your brother and Ethan both cared for very deeply. And all you can think about is your wonderful date because <laughs> Teresa was like, when Ethan left me tonight, everything was wonderful after our wonderful date. And we, I got him a teddy bear and blah, blah, blah. It's like, girl, Sheridan oh, is Sheridan. dead. Sheridan is dead as far as you know. Um, and uh, Teresa says, well, all I can think about is that Gwen is using, using this time to get closer to Ethan and um, that he's going to forget all about me. That's all she can think about. I mean, but she's not wrong. She's not wrong. No, she's not wrong. That's the thing. You're great. You are crazy. Like she's not wrong and she is wrong. Like she's not, she's not wrong for thinking that Gwen is like trying to use this. That's she exactly is, what she's doing. But she is wrong for the way that she is acting about it. Like the, the whole way she's going about it. So, 
Teresa tries to call the mansion, right, to talk to Ethan. Ju- Julian answers the phone, tells her she has no place to call in the mansion, no reason to call. Ethan doesn't want to talk to her, wants nothing to do with her family, right? I don't know why she would call the mansion. Why would she call his cell phone? That's a good point, actually. Why wouldn't you just call his cell phone? He, um, like, obviously, I know they have to, like, create roadblocks and everything, but Julian and Rebecca are especially (gasps) disgusting in these episodes. (laughs) Uh, yeah, no, they are absolutely disgusting. So she, she gets on the phone, um with julian julian tells her all that shit then she decides you know what i'm just gonna go to the mansion so she goes to the mansion gwen is so this is where we pick up with gwen and that teddy bear right the teddy bear is like all destroyed in the mansion also Teresa just walks in everybody just walks in and out of everybody's homes in this show especially like for a high profile family like where's the security Right. You would think if Julian doesn't want Teresa on the property, he would just tell security, like, don't let Teresa on the property. Right. But she just walks right in. So she comes in. She sees the teddy bear in the trash. She picks it up. She says, I love this. She says, this teddy bear meant everything to Ethan. Huh? A teddy bear? so. (laughs) A teddy bear? It meant everything. It did not mean everything to him. He said it meant everything to him. How did this happen to it? And she says it about six times. Like she has to keep reminding herself. He said that it meant everything to him. Like, girl, we get it. Yeah. Okay. She's like, how could he do this? Uh, I, oh, she goes, she also goes, I've lost him. I've lost her. She's crying. I've lost. She's uh, that's, that's her main line. I've lost him. Also. Could I just say if a man actually did do that to a teddy bear, I gave him, I'd be like, oh, he's clearly unwell because like what grown man would do that that would be a turnoff for me I wouldn't be sad I'd be nervous deeply unsettling very nervous deeply unsettling I need to get out of this house I'm in danger this is (laughs) this is a bad place for me yeah no that you were absolutely right like uh no that's terrifying it's scary uh but no not not for Teresa Teresa is sad and devastated that he has apparently trashed this teddy bear so mutilated it really is completely just headed yeah it's gone limbs are gone are just falling out of it uh meanwhile Gwen's like watching her from the stairs like above just like look glaring down at her it's like that's right Teresa you have lost him and then she comes down the stairs and says to Teresa what are you doing here you need to leave right now Teresa says, I have every right to be here. Ethan loves me and I love him. And Quinn says, if Ethan wanted you here, he would have called you. Did he call you? <laughs> Can I also just say the way that they dress Gwen too is like criminal. Yeah, she looks bad. She looks it's really bad. So bad. Why did they do that to her? It's like they didn't want her to look cute. It feels like they are, they're doing everything to make us root for Teresa. Yeah. That's what it is. So it's like so much older than she is. It's just like they try to make her look so. Yeah. I don't even remember what she's wearing, but it was like a dark, like pantsuit or something. She looked pantsuit and like almost like a zebra print shirt, which like I'm into animal prints. (laughs) Like it was just so 
unattractive. And I don't feel like they dressed Liza like that. They gave her the sexy red dress. They would give her cute outfits. Yeah. And maybe they'll give her some better outfits because I did. I did see Liza in some bad stuff. Like she did have some bad moments. So maybe maybe it's the grief right now. Maybe that's what it is. She's not thinking straight. She's just like putting on whatever she can. Um, but you're trying to get that man. That is not the outfit for it at all. <laughs> not even close. And but it is better than Ivy's lingerie that she had on before, which is where she's wearing his mom's underwear. That's so weird. Yeah. Oh god, Gwen. Oh, poor, not poor Gwen. She sucks. So it's awful. <laughs> so she's telling Teresa. I'm the only person Ethan needs right now. You need to leave. Uh, Teresa asks, where is Ethan? I want to see him. I'm going to go see him. Gwen tells her, I'm a member of this family. To which Teresa says, no, you're not. Period. I was like, yes, "Yes, exactly. Gwen, baby, you are not a member of this family. Like, Like the audacity. That man called off it. You would be. You would you're not <laughs> called off the wedding. So you're not a member of the family. And she says, Teresa, um, uh, I'm going to be, Gwen says this, I'm going to be Mrs. Ethan Crane. So you need to go home and leave Ethan alone. You've lost Teresa. Try and be a gracious loser, which is so rich coming from this bitch whom this is supposed to be your wedding day. Right. But why are you not getting married to that man? It's because of me, Teresa. Yeah. You're the loser. Not like I wish Teresa would have said that to her. Like, girl, it, last time I checked, he left you for me, left you yeah. at the altar for me. We kept the scoreboard here. Yeah, let's check the score. Uh, if we're gonna, if we're comparing, who's the loser here? You are really the one who has lost him, not me. I just, I really just gained him. I just got him. Right. So, You're I don't know. News. It was so weird that she would say she call her a loser and tell her to be a gracious loser when she has like also it's not a game no <laughs> like it's not, it's not a game so there's no I mean I guess you can call them winners and losers but mm. you're all losers in my opinion is uh, yes for real and it's weird to be fighting over Ethan with this little girl yeah. like, literally literally <laughs> If my boyfriend or fiance left me for some teenage girl, that's that. Yeah. That's that. I agree. He clearly has issues. He needs a therapist. He doesn't need either of you. He needs therapy. He really does. So then Gwen like notices the teddy bear and says, oh, if Ethan, if Ethan really loved you, do you think he would have torn up, torn up that teddy bear like you, like he did? So she uses that lies, you know. Then Julia and Rebecca come out and, like you said, are particularly particularly disgusting. They are honestly a match made in heaven in some ways. Mm-hmm. And then match made in hell. Yes, perfect, perfect. They are they're all like ganging up on her, and it's like she's literally a child. Yes, she's literally a child. Uh, Julian tells her that she was nothing to Ethan, just a distraction, a dalliance. And all the Crane men have them. And Cranes don't marry the housekeeper's daughter. Um, and again, Teresa has a moment of like, maybe I should just tell you then, you know? Oh, oh, yes. really? Oh, really? Cranes don't marry the housekeeper's daughter? Well, maybe Bennett's do, because that's what your son is, a Bennett. 
on the tip of her tongue at least like six times in these yeah. like five episodes. Yeah, she's itching. To, she's itching to drop that bomb. Yeah, she really is, which I get. Honestly, I would have told him by now. You know what? It's it's interesting to me because it goes to show it really just wasn't about being a crane. Like she really did love him that it was like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, I'll just like blow up his whole life and we could have like a simple little life together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's not how it works. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but see, like my, my perspective too is you have this information. Is he going to be happy that you kept it from him? Right? Yeah. Like for me, I feel like I would have had to expose that immediately. And it's yeah. just like, hey, Ethan, I need to talk to you. Like, I found this shit. I, I, I'm not re- really sure what it means. I think I know what it means, but maybe, you know, do figure it out for yourself, you know? Yeah. Because because he will eventually find out. And then he will also find out that you knew and didn't tell him. Yeah. For a and long then time. that incriminates you. Exactly. And then it makes it seem like you want it to just be a crane. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Teresa, Teresa. Ivy almost outs it these couple of episodes too. Ivy almost outs it all the time. Bless her heart. She, yeah. she goes back and forth. She doesn't know what she wants. She really doesn't. That's when Ethan reads the article. So yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. So Ethan comes downstairs. Teresa, uh, Julian, Rebecca, Gwen successfully run Teresa off. Teresa yells for Ethan at one point but he and he faintly hears her and goes running after her but by the time he goes downstairs she's gone and everybody tells him he's crazy like they they gaslight him heavy in these episodes they really do and um once he comes downstairs he sees the newspaper he sees the headline he sees the quote that says that he himself blames them and will be bringing charges against the harmony pd and he's like i didn't say this shit who the hell would do this julian had called the paper and given them a quote saying that Ethan said this right he's like like, Ethan goes I know better than to be quoted like this I'm a lawyer yeah (laughs) you didn't say anything illegal like I'm a lawyer I'm so smart he's the dumbest person on no Miguel's the dumbest person on this show but he's a close Close second he's a close second he's so stupid um so I'm I wouldn't be surprised if he gave the newspaper a quote like that at all you know just like rambling stream of conscious doesn't even know he's talking on the record just is just talking shooting the shit doesn't realize he's being interviewed at all um but he also again brings up man i haven't heard from Teresa. i was what i you know it's it's so odd that she wouldn't call me in this time in in this my time of need and everybody's like yeah she's a shitty girl she's only here for the the good times she's not a she's not a a girl she's not a she's not wife material she's not a thoughtful girl yeah uh, she's so she's a cold Gwen even calls her cold Gwen even is like I think that's pretty cold of her that she wouldn't even call you when she knows what's going on with you and how close you and Sheridan are the audacity uh, of these cold ass rich people to be calling anyone else cold it's crazy okay so let's skip ahead a little bit because I've been talking for a long time let's skip ahead to the church Okay. We're there. All right. So uh, we go to the funeral, right? Luis is there. Teresa, or, Ter- Teresa is there with Luis that we talked about this earlier. Now Gwen and Ethan show up. Also, I want to talk about the fact that when Teresa and Luis get to like this funeral, they're like, why is no one here? 
they're, they're like, where is her family? Because nobody's there. People would have showed up to that wedding too. Yeah. 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 Where is her family? But anyway, so they're there. Teresa is there because she has decided that she is ready to tell Ethan that he is Sam Bennett's son. That is why she is there. Yeah. Even Luis thinks that she's there to support him. What better um, place to do it, right? I mean, what? Uh, right. Right now at your aunt's funeral, I have to tell you, I have to break this news. Urgent. Even though your aunt was murdered last night. Okay maybe even early this morning i'm not sure sh- i'm really not sure your spirit now yeah oh, let no. me just tell you that your entire life is in a complete lie she's not really your aunt so so all that sexual tension you were feeling for her you could have acted on her <laughs> you could have acted on so true <laughs> yeah. even like when he has like the dream about her earlier in like these episodes and all the no it's just it's a lot it's yeah. very Freudian. yeah i actually forgot about the dream he tells he tells Gwen at one point that he had a dream that Sheridan came to him and told him that he should marry her, marry Gwen. Yeah. So that's part of this whole bullshit too. Anyway, they're at this funeral. Uh, as soon as Gwen and Ethan get there, Ethan is like, what the hell are you doing here to Luis? He's like, let me talk to you outside. So they go outside. They have this awful conversation where Ethan tells him you need to leave you need to leave now. Um, I do hold you responsible. And he's really so nasty to Louise. Yeah. He says some of the nastiest stuff. Like he says, um, you, you were supposed to be protecting her, but you were off like trying to get a promotion. Yeah. He just is really horrible. And Louise takes it. Like he really takes it for like the majority of it. And then uh, Ethan goes a little bit too far and because <laughs> he calls him like disgusting or something. Ethan calls him some, some name. I cannot remember. It's in my notes, but I have so many notes. This is why I try to not to take too many notes, but this week was very hard. Um, he says something, Ethan insults Luis in some way. And Luis is like, that's rich coming from the guy who dumped his fiance the day of his wedding yes. for some for some new chick. Yes. And then Ethan is like, oh, you want to talk about that? Let's talk about it then. So he's about to explode everything at this funeral, but he doesn't. It doesn't happen. Well, but Ethan's wheels start turning. He's like, we have to tell Luis. We have to tell Luis. Yeah. So meanwhile, Gwen's like inside with Teresa. This was disgusting. Gwen's inside with Teresa and she tells her you need to, Gwen says like, you need to leave. Teresa's like, this is a church. Anybody can come here. And then Gwen escorts Teresa over to Sheridan's body and is like, listen, what do you hear? And Teresa's like, I don't hear anything. She says, well, you're not listening cl- listening closely enough because if you listen closely enough, you'll hear Sheridan telling Ethan he needs to marry me. The fuck? I had in my notes, I want Teresa to hit Gwen so badly in front of God and Sheridan's body and everyone. Me too. That's- she, so this is what I mean about the narrative of they, them being best friends is so false because everything has like a tone to it of, you know, oh, like, just like snark and it's like who would behave that way at their best friend's funeral I know it's disgusting it's disgusting like I don't even think that I would have words with Teresa in that moment like I feel like I would just be like we will deal with this 
tomorrow. Yeah. We're not going to deal with this today. I'm grieving. Stay away from me. Yeah. Just stay over there. Leave me alone. We will talk about, we'll deal with this tomorrow. Um, but that is not, that is not how Gwen is doing. That's not how she's taking this. So, um, outside Ethan tells Luis to leave. Uh, but Luis doesn't really leave. Luis tells him, you know, I got to, I, Oh, to eat, Louise starts talking about him telling Ethan to stay away from Teresa. He's like, I know my sister was helping you with the wedding, but yeah. now that that's all done, please leave my sister out of your shit. Yeah, she'll never have a reason to be around you people again. Yeah. And Ethan goes back in the church and talks to, says, I need to talk to Teresa alone and sends Gwen out. And Gwen Thank goes and talks to Luis. And Ethan tells uh, Teresa, like, we got to tell Luis. Like you're delude. He yeah. literally says you're deluding yourself if you think we can have a relationship without telling Louise, because she's delusional. You haven't seen that. You don't realize. Yeah, like she's it. she's a lunatic and she's a child. He she's, um the baby brain. I was so glad when he came in and like literally was like basically like hi Gwen, can you like get off my junk for two seconds <laughs> and have a conversation with someone else? Because if I heard her, how many times is she darling, darling? I'm so over her calling him darling. It darling. makes me want to just end it all. Like really. <laughs> honestly. It's um, so gross. Yeah. And you know what else bothered me? So when they're having that conversation. They basically realize all of their misconnections and like miscommunications. He never confronts Gwen or anyone about lying about the Teresa being there. Well, I'm hoping that comes up next week. I'm not sure. I was kind of hoping it comes up because he does notice. He's like, yeah. so you tried to call me and everything and nobody told me. Everybody nobody told me. He just play. says nobody yeah. told me th about this. So yeah, I'm hoping it comes he up because- asked and they lied yeah because he says to um, or no Gwen says to Rebecca like if Ethan ever finds out that she came to find him and we sent him away or sent her away then he's never gonna forgive me basically so I'm hoping that comes up I don't know though they uh passions is very good at like making making conflicts just disappear yeah. you know so which I feel like that could have been like Gwen and Ethan haven't gotten to have any like miscommunications or conflicts. And that could have been something to like, they never ruffle the feathers between the two of them, which is weird. Like, oh, they make it like their relationship is so easy. Well, then why wouldn't he have just gone with her? The relationship with Teresa was obviously more difficult. That's so true. And they, you know what? They use Rebecca as their as their conflict between them yeah. they use Rebecca like he he takes all of his um frustrations out on Rebecca blames Rebecca for anything that happens between him and Teresa which a lot of times she is involved but so is Gwen yeah. right but Gwen is able because she has Rebecca and Rebecca is willing to take the take the brunt of the um fault she is able to scapegoat her yeah Rebecca lets her scapegoat her right yeah so she has that like kind of built in protection in Rebecca and Ethan understands having a shitty parent, right? Like he has Julian who's like constantly doing shit behind his back yeah. and he, but he still like loves his dad for whatever I get, you know, he love, people no love their parents, people. even if their parents are, you know, yeah, people love their parents, even when their parents are like awful, you know, it's interesting. It, 
it's so interesting I, it's sad sometimes when I like talk to kids and the kid, their parents are like so awful to them and they're still just like but I love my mommy and it's like Ugh. yeah they want their approval yeah they, they want their parents to yeah it's 100%. sad but they had so he so he's able to give I think he gives Gwen a pass because of Rebecca I think yeah. I don't know though but I you're right they should have more conflict because they don't belong together and he and, and Teresa do but and that's another thing I hate that the trope that like like love is worth fighting for and if you're really in love like you 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 have to fight through and like being in a relationship is hard work yeah is it it's not that hard no. right like is it that hard it shouldn't, it shouldn't be it shouldn't be that hard but they make it seem like it should be which I hate this is why all of us grew up and are such messes because we watched all those like teen dramas and shows like this where it's like, oh yeah, like that's fiery. That's good. If you have conflict and fighting and what it means you care. And it's like, no, sometimes it's just toxic. Yep. To be a part of it. And we're all just having to unlearn that. It's, yeah. it's crazy. I, I'm, I, I do, I'm, I have to catch myself all the time. Like, no girl, you, that man is bad for you. Like that is a red flag, acknowledge it and move on. Like, I don't care how cute he is. I don't care how much money he has. I don't care like how nice he is to you. Some, you know, like most of the time, like if he does things that are questionable, move on. We're in our thirties. <laughs> we're not we're giving out of time now to keep making mistakes. It's <laughs> we, we can't, we don't have this time for, no. to, for, uh, frivolous. Being, things like this. Mm -mm, I cannot, I can't be falling in love. I do not have time to fall in love with a man's potential anymore. Yeah. I'm, I'm tired, time. you know, time. Ooh. So, um, we're off on a tangent, but that's okay. Where are we in this? Luis, Ethan, Teresa, what are they doing? It's, um, so while they're talking inside, Luis and Gwen are outside together. Yes. Oh, and they actually have like a weird, nice moment. Yeah, it was like the first time that I looked at Gwen and I was like, oh, you're not all awful. Yeah. It was, it, yeah, they have like kind of a nice moment. Um, Luis overhears Gwen on the phone yeah. with Rebecca saying, e Teresa's going to be out of Ethan's life forever. Yeah. Right? And like, what do you mean? Why would she be in his life? And then she doesn't let it, he doesn't let her answer. Then he just assumes she's talking about the wedding. Right. That's it. Like you would think he'd pick up on all these little things. Like this must be about more than the wedding. Nope. This is a lot for a work relationship. <laughs> yeah. Well, then he tells her, you know, I, I don't like Ethan very much, but I hope that things work out between the two of you yeah. and that you, you know, get married. I don't like the way things have turned out for you. Yeah. And it was kind of nice. She was like, yeah. And I know I, and she says to him, I know how much Sheridan really yes. cared about you. And I know that you care for her. And I'm sorry that this has happened to you. Like, I know that okay. what you, the two of you had was real. And she told me on numerous occasions, how much she cared for you. And I just wanted you to know that. So it was actually really sweet. And I got, I got teary eyed. Like I'm getting teary eyed thinking about it. It. because poor Louise is really going through it yeah and they humanize her character a little bit there a little bit and then mm -hmm. she sends him back into the church to catch uh yeah. Teresa with Ethan she's like oh hmm, here's here's an opportunity she sends him back in the church is like I don't know the last time I saw Teresa she was in the church so he, she sends him back in there hoping he will catch her with um Ethan but that obviously does not happen yeah. right and that's when Rebecca walks over right mm -hmm. and she says something really gross to her like oh yeah Sheridan's death 
is going to be the way you and Ethan get back together. Yeah. It's she needs to like really put that woman in her place. She really does. She really does. Rebecca is like a horrible overbearing mother who, and like, have you ever seen stage moms? I'm not stage moms, dance moms. Yes. Yes. Rebecca is Abby Lee Miller. Like she, they are so similar, like just nasty, say anything, will do anything to like win, you know, and get her to the front. And it's come and it's completely oblivious to how awful she actually is. Thinks that she's right, but she's not. But anyway, I I used to love Dance Moms. Me too. (laughs) I I don't know why I watched so much Dance Moms. I know. And I was like, you know what? Like looking back, I'm like that. I feel bad because those kids were on another tangent, but like those kids have to have like deep rooted issues from that. Yeah. And it was, it was like really fucked up. Like some of the dances that they did, some of the outfits. Yeah. Yeah. The, the things that they were exposed to, like in the fights, the things that the the moms were like Mm -hmm. saying to each other and about them to their faces, it was fucked up, but I watched it every week for like six years. Yeah. (laughs) But, Until like the new people came in and then I was like, all right. Yeah. I left around the time. Uh, I stopped watching it around the time. Like Jojo Siwa came in. Yeah, when and, Chloe left, I, I Chloe yeah. was my favorite. So when she left, I was like. Yeah. I liked Chloe too. But anyway, moving on to passions. <laughs> Back to passions. So Luis goes inside, does not catch Teresa. However, they have a horrible conversation. Yes. Oh, Louis, like this, like I said, I love and hate Luis. This is the hate Luis part. Mm-hmm. This was awful. Um, so they, she, she, do, he doesn't see them together, but they have this conversation where um, e- Teresa asks Luis what he talked about with Ethan. And Luis says, don't worry about it. I just hate him. And I always will, right? I hate Ethan. I always will. And Teresa defends Ethan again. And Luis then realizes, wait a minute, are you still daydreaming about marrying this guy? Like, I thought you were over it now that you have this new boyfriend. Because remember, she was going to tell Luis about Ethan. And so she led up with, I have this new guy in my life, but then we never got around to it, right? So... Teresa says, um, well, what if, yeah, yeah. She goes, what if Ethan did fall in love with me? Cause Luis keeps saying, you know, that's never going to happen. It's an impossible dream. Just give it up. She goes, but what if just for the sake of argument, what if it did happen? And Luis says to her, quote, if you were ever to marry a crane, you would not only destroy yourself, you would destroy what we have as brother and sister and tear our family apart. Oh my God. He goes, Teresa, if you ever went against me on this, you might as well be dead because I would never see you or speak to you again. The fuck? Yeah. Over it's a boyfriend? Very, yeah. And it's very like, I get that he tries to play the dad role, but it's like, so extreme and when it's like a parent right okay I feel like I can't trust you and tell you things because you're gonna get mad at me so when things go wrong you're kind of at fault for that because you made me feel like I had to be secretive I had to lie and then he always like does something it's like he has like something a little off about him too because he'll do something like that say something so extreme and then be like 
oh, sorry, I didn't mean to upset you. It's just like you, mama and Miguel are like the most important things in my life. Yes. Yes. It's very, it's a, it's almost like a cycle of abuse. Like it's, it's really fucked up. It's like you punch me, but then you say like, I'm sorry, but look what you made me do. It's just that I love you. Yes. I hit you because I love you kind of thing. Oh no. Thank you, sir. Um, but yeah, that's exactly what happens. He like lightens up like, cause it was got very dark and heavy. And then he got, yeah, goes you like, know, I just really love you. He's like, ha ha ha, but that'll never happen. You know, lighten up, you know, and it's weird. Cause they're like do, having this conversation in front of Sheridan's coffin. So right. <laughs> that's- also, I feel like bad perspective of something to learn after someone just died that you would like cut someone out and act like they were dead because yeah. they do what you wanted. It's a, it, you would think that you would have the opposite feelings in that moment that like nothing's ever going to make me like I never want to lose people who are close to me so like I'm nothing could make me turn away from them you know not you know it seems like that because that's what that's what Ethan's saying to Gwen outside basically he's like he's like you know Sheridan's death has really reminded me uh that um life is short and it has made me feel like more than ever I want to get married soon and I will be making my decision soon. That's what he tells Gwen. And Gwen thinks, of course, he's going to choose me because Sheridan wanted us to be together and he loved Sheridan and Sheridan's dead. So <laughs> he's going to. Confidence is so sad to watch. And the last thing I wrote was, I'm so over this season of The Bachelor. Just yeah. pick someone already. Like, I can't. <laughs> Just pick someone. Our worst bachelor yet. Just pick someone. You know, I don't watch The Bachelor. I've never watched The Bachelor, really? but I know the premise. I understand yeah. how it works. I mean, I've watched plenty of dating shows, yeah. but like I haven't watched The Bachelor, but. It's exhausting because it it devalues both relationships to keep it going on for this long. It's like, I'm just going to pick someone because I want to get married. I love yeah. you both, but let me just pick which the best option of the two is. It's like. Mm. It's gross. <laughs> I don't, I. I don't care for it but basically he gives Gwen the feeling that he's going to choose her that's what I got from it I don't know that's um, why I felt like these whole this whole five episodes he kept making it seem like she was the choice Sheridan would want this this you know oh you know the right way to massage me or like whatever he's saying to her <laughs> and then he'd be like oh by the way why hasn't Teresa called it's just so inconsistent and so annoying well he is inconsistent like he's an inconsistent inconsiderate asshole (laughs) like he is um but that that's really where we leave it with Teresa and Ethan this week right that's pretty much it okay let's talk about Chad and Whitney real quick Chad is packing up he's leaving Harmony he's getting the fuck out of here he's like this town is so awful so racist I cannot believe these fucking people thought that I raped this girl I've never heard of right so he's packing it in Simone is very upset Simone tells him like no you can't leave please stay she gets she calls in tc's like tc or she doesn't say tc she says daddy yeah. she says daddy like t- t- um chad is trying to leave like tell him he needs to stay tc says i can't make him do anything but he does say to chad you know chad we are very apologetic about what happened i know that hurt your feelings but you are welcome to stay here for as long as you need tc does at least say that much but chad's like it's time for me to move on. I've been looking for my parents, haven't found my parents, which Eve was so, so nicely uh, reminded him last week. She's such a bitch. I can't stand Eve. 
But um, she takes after her mom. <laughs> I'm sorry, she does. <laughs> They're yes. cold. Hundred percent. 100%. And I, that's what I've been saying. I don't understand why he wants anything to do with Whitney when she acts just like Eve, who like is constantly putting him down. And like TC definitely has like rage in him, but I feel like Simone and TC are like both like softer. They try to, I feel like TC only flies off the handle, like really about Eve stuff. Like otherwise he's like, oh, sugar bear. And like, <laughs> I, I do like TC a lot. I, I like off sometimes don't get me wrong but I agree I like TC too but he he really flies off the handle and the reason that it's weird when TC flies off the handle is because generally he is so even even yeah. keeled and so when we see him fly off the handle it's always about Julian right like it's always like damn Ukraine like and he's always like I'll murder him yeah. right? like just, I, honestly I wish he just would already <laughs> He gets that murder look in his eyes and it, and you know, it's like, but you know, we all have our little things that set us off. I guess, <laughs> I guess. Chad says that line about like that Eve doesn't want him there, like contaminating his daughters, uh, yeah. her daughters. And it made me so sad. It's true though. He's, he, he always, they he write good lines for him, are. even though they write him in a way that I am not always thrilled about like the way he yeah. talks is not always I'm always I'm like that's not that doesn't how he would say that no like you jiving me like no let's please calm down yeah but but they do give him some really good insightful lines like they really do give yeah. him some like really impactful lines um and that is that yeah she doesn't want me here contaminating her daughters he says um I I, I, it's time for me to go, you know, and um, Dr. Russell was really so quick to believe that rumor about me. She does not want me here. Um, so Chad keeps on packing up and thinking about Whitney and we get a little montage about Whitney. Simone then sees Eve come into the house, right? And immediately goes off on Eve and it was amazing. And that's the thing too, like, something about Simone like she has like she's so much like stronger than Whitney she's assertive she I just her to be so much more compelling yes she's a better character they write her she's so much better than Whitney in these episodes like mm -hmm. up until now like there has not been a moment where I liked Whitney more than Simone yet and I do know that that is coming except you know this is my rewatch so I may feel differently here in my 30s than I did when I was 16, right? So honestly, now that I think about it, I'm looking forward to seeing how I feel about Simone going forward. Yeah. Um, but I do remember feeling like, ugh, Simone, move on. Yeah. <laughs> it becomes like desperate. And it becomes very Gwen, yeah. I, if, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, but anyway, she goes off on Eve. She says to her mother, Chad's leaving because you, she's, he's leaving because you are a bigot. You're prejudiced against Chad because he didn't come from a nice family or, and doesn't have any money. You have never given Chad a chance. Chad is a decent, kind, intelligent boy. And could, you could never see that. The only thing you could see was that he was a poor kid and didn't have any family. I love this. And she says, doesn't that just make you the worst kind of bigot? I love her. I love her. I 
love she Simone. gets all the awards. I love Simone. Right, honestly, right now, but beyond Teresa and like my love for Teresa in general, Simone is my favorite character. Yeah, I love Chad, but like the stupidity towards Whitney takes him down pegs for me. Yeah, I love Chad too, but the the whole the chasing after Whitney when Simone's right there is very irritating to me. Yeah. Um, what so, a typical man! You don't want the person who wants you, even though they're the better choice. You want the person who doesn't want you. Yep. Typical. Typical. People always want what they can't have, I guess. I don't know. Um, So TC tells Simone, TC tells Simone, you need to apologize to your mother right now. And Simone's like, no, I won't. I I, I won't. And I, and she just like storms off. Loved it. Loved it. It was fantastic. Um, Chad actually comes in on the tail end of this um, rant that Simone gives. And he's just standing there like, yep, yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then Eve, once Simone leaves, Eve goes over to Chad and actually apologizes to him for jumping to conclusions about him getting that girl pregnant. And she says, you know, I just wanted to keep my girl safe. I'm just worried about my daughters. Whatever, Eve. I'm over this narrative. I'm super over it. I know. And I know her backstory is like so complex, but it almost makes it worse that she's mm-hmm. so like not understanding of him. Yeah, it does make it worse. It does make it worse that she's not understanding of him because she could be a good influence for him. If you think that he's not on the right path, you can help him. You know where he's been, but she's so hell-bent on keeping these stupid secrets. Like, okay, you got pregnant, had a baby with Julian. Now that's, maybe maybe keep the Julian part separate. But mm-hmm. I don't know why you can't just be honest with TC about like, I have this past these or couldn't have like, she's deep in now, like we're 20 years in now, but I don't understand why she couldn't have been just honest with him and said like, you know, this is, this is who I am. This is what happened to me. My baby died and my baby's gone. Her baby's gone. And now I'm going to medical school. I don't know what the problem was back then. I wish they would show us. And I also feel like if that would have been, I mean, obviously she was younger, right? And But if that would have been enough for you to be against me, then like, okay, you aren't the right person for me. So yeah, but I guess she just had, she felt so bad about herself. I think she, I guess she just had such low self-esteem. And when people have that low self-esteem, it's very hard for them to be honest. They want to pretend to be someone else. Yeah. She was already rejected by Julian. Maybe she just, um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. I've talked myself into being, feeling bad for Eve. So, or understanding her. So harsh. It's yeah. When it comes to Chad, it's just so shitty. And it's so horrible when you know, when you know, this kid has no family and seems to be perfectly, a perfectly fine and upstanding person, right? Like works so hard, has saved your daughter's life multiple times at this point. I don't see what the problem is. Yeah. You know, and he's saying, and she's saying to you, like, I don't have any feelings for him. Like, they, there's right. no reason for you to think that they have anything going on, even though they kind of do. But right. whatever. Um, so she apologizes to him. He says to her, you know, when I first met you, I thought you had come up in a rougher life like me. Like, I, something about you just made me feel like we had a lot more in common, but I guess I was wrong. You know, you had a a great, easy upbringing. And she almost tells him, no, Chad, we we're more alike than you think. Yeah. But she doesn't because of course she doesn't. 
because of course she doesn't so um he says she says to him you know shakes his hand tells him she wishes him the best tells him you know you're welcome to stay she does tell him you know you're welcome to stay I know that I was harsh but I you can't you don't have to leave he says no I think I do shakes his hand tells him goodbye Chad so goodbye Chad he's leaving and he bumps into Whitney on the way out and she once again apologizes to to him for not believing him about Tiffany but um he calls her an ice queen I loved that what an accurate description of her he calls her an ice queen and says that uh he can tell that she's searching to fill some sort of hole in her heart and that tennis is never going to do it and that she's never going to find what she's looking for until she lets someone until she melts a little that's what he says until she melts Mm -hmm. a little and lets someone else into her heart and then he says goodbye Whitney I hope you get what you want out of life beautiful it was beautiful it was a good speech he's very he's a good wordsmith Mm -hmm. he really is well you know he's a lyricist right he's a songwriter right? So that makes sense. It makes sense that he would know how to put his words in a way that is somewhat poetic. So Whitney then goes up to the, his apartment that he just vacated upstairs or above the garage. She like stands around and cries. That, you know, what's funny about them, like the reminiscing scenes that they do, it's almost like they had this like great love affair that like never even came to fruition yet like they try to make it like it's Luis and Sheridan but it's like mostly been contentious <laughs> exactly we get a montage a la Shuis, but it's Chad and Whitney and I mean the majority of their scenes are them fighting with each other yeah so the scenes that we saw in the montage were like him saving her from the rubble and like that one little kiss he gave her on the cheek and then that one ki- like they did have a kiss on the tennis court but that yeah. was like it i oh like him picking her up when they were at the the um the when the avalanche happened and she and had hurt they, her leg they had like that wedding fake wedding expo thing oh my god that fucking yeah. wedding expo oh my god <laughs> that was so stupid the most perfect couple and he still had that sash and he left yeah. it on the bed <laughs> like staring at it longingly yeah so she's like there and we get this montage with bad music as usual and then chad comes back and sees her standing there crying <laughs> it's so love. frustrating for me and me too <laughs> me too but I loved it when he came back and he was like you were crying because of me like of course obviously and obviously she was and she's like no it's just been a hard day Sheridan died bitch you don't know Sheridan right she's exhausting to me because obviously she cares about him and obviously she knows he cares about her yeah what's with the facade like even if you say like I feel like you're gonna disrupt like what I have going in my career or whatever like we need to figure it's just so extra it really is it really is and Chad says as much he's like can we please just sit down and have a conversation about our feelings with one another again th- what a perfect what a perfect man honestly like let's sit down talk this through no walls no bullshit let's just have a conversation about like what is going on between us where do we go from here and Whitney's like there's nothing to talk about I'm not crying because of you I'm crying because Sheridan died no you're not 
And then he says, no, you're not. You're crying over me. I know you are. And the only reason I'm still standing here is because no one has ever cried about me or cried over me or had any feelings for me. So I really think we should talk about this. But she refuses. And then Simone comes in all chipper talking about I'm going to bake some cookies. Will that make you stay? (laughs) I mean, honestly, for me, maybe it would. Hell yeah, girl. Uh, Cook like for me. If I were Chad in this moment, Simone has been, had my back this entire time. She's beautiful. She's nice to me. She believes in me. And now she's going to be, now I know she makes cookies. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. Trainer. I don't care what kind of cookies they are. And I don't care. Winnie's not even nice. She's not like, she's not even really like her and Teresa bicker a lot too. They, I her- love them together, but I'm like, she hands her her ass like a lot. Whitney is her personality is flat yeah her personality is a little flat like I don't see the I really do not see the appeal for Chad in this I don't she's beautiful she's gorgeous drop dead gorgeous and talented I get that that's a draw yeah and passionate but like everything else is very blah yeah Uh, meh but whatever so um Simone comes in talks about like I'm gonna make some cookies are you this is me you're staying and he's like well maybe I was a little hasty maybe I need to think things through a little bit more so he I guess stays um that's not explained very well we just next time we see him he's back at the book cafe I don't even know if he moves back into this house Whitney says to him if you're staying because you think anything's gonna happen between us then you should leave yeah okay bitch (laughs) Oh, she sucks. Oh, she sucks. So then she goes off to her room and he plays this song for her. I can't, I couldn't tell you what the song was. Couldn't tell you how it was. It was a horrible song. It was very ugly. If somebody played that song for me, I would think that they were trying to send me the message that they did not like me and wanted me to go away. Okay. Because it sounded so bad. Um, And he's a DJ. Like you have to have a better repertoire to pick from. That was the best you had. Whitney is moved by it. <laughs> Whitney is moved by it. That was the one thing it took. Yeah, she's sitting there and she's like, she's getting the message. The message is that he loves her, basically. But Simone's the one that picks up the message. Simone uh-huh. comes in and is like, I heard the song. I got your message. I know it means you love me, but you just can't tell me because my family. <laughs> and he's like, wait a minute, Simone, wait a minute. And but he never tells her, like, I don't love you. He never said he, and he, what irritates me about this is that Chad is constantly telling Whitney to be honest, constantly telling her she needs to be honest. And I know he wants to be honest with Simone, but he won't just come out and say it. He's like, we need to talk. We need to talk. And she's like, well, I'm busy. We can talk later kind of thing. That's the Luis thing, like fills in the blanks for people. Yeah. So yeah, he, he's having a hard time telling Simone he should have told her by now. Cause he knew Simone thought that he loved, she loved whatever. He knew that Simone thought that he was in love with her. Right. We found this out like a hundred episodes ago. So you have plenty of time to nip it in the bud by yeah, now. By now he should have done something and he hasn't been honest with her and, and it's about to create a huge issue. Um, so that's what happens with them. That's it. I liked when, um, Simone and Whitney have that conversation though and she says something to him like her like oh well I'm the sister with a boyfriend 
Yeah. Oh, it's so, oh, it makes me cringe. I'm embarrassed for her because Whitney knows so much about, and that's another thing as a sister, as a sister, be honest with your sister. Yeah. Like here's what's going on. (laughs) Chad and I are like, Chad's like after me, like a lot. And I think you need to know that I don't, even if she still wanted to go with that story that she doesn't want him. Mm Mm-hmm. He doesn't I'm, want you. He wants me. And I don't want you to get hurt. Yes, exactly. exactly. No one's on it with this poor girl. Nobody. Ugh. So, well, that's the whole show. We did it. We fi- We finished it. No. Um, Sorry. So Gina, go ahead and tell everybody where they can find you, where you want them to follow you. Yeah. Um, if you want to follow me on TikTok, it's there G goes, there G I goes um you know for more nostalgic vibes all right and yes you should absolutely follow um Gina because I like her content and um she's given us all the nostalgia vibes I love it all right so we're gonna really quickly sorry patrons I forgot to do this in the middle here are your shout outs Munashe thank you Marcus Erica Breelin Lisa Zach Sid Serana Dustin Heather Randall Ashley Hannah, Camelia, Amanda, Monique, Samantha, Amy, Chucky, and Jeanette. Thank you all so very much for being patrons. Thank you for being a friend. Oh, I, I, did, I didn't even, I forgot that I was wearing this. Thank you for being a friend. Perfection. Hmm? Perfection. I know, perfect. Um, and uh, remember, you can always catch us on all of our social medias. You know where they are. Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, that other one, Twitter, that one. Uh, and uh, that's it. That's it for the show. So, you are my passion for life. I'm not a good singer. Either. I'm sorry. <laughs> it, it, it won't sync up anyway. So, I'm, I'm just having to do that by myself.